Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths to overcome compromise. Our ability to obey has nothing to do with the time or the culture that we live in. It has everything to do with our commitment to God and our obedience to His Word and the power of the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, to reckon the old man dead. More than often, the compromising Christian suffers through the years and walks away from God. Very seldom does the believer come out unscathed. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Having just completed a study series of the Old Testament book of Judges, today Pastor Xavier turns the page to the book of Ruth. It's here we'll find that in spite of the fact that Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and two sons are living also in the period of the Judges, and according to the spirit of their day, doing what was right in their own eyes, two people stand out as examples of those who live by faith in the God of Israel and whose lives exemplify living in accordance with God's Word. Their names are Ruth and Boaz and the focus for today's simple truths. Let's listen. The ability of a believer to be faithful to God and Christ-like doesn't depend upon the time or the culture that they're living in, but it depends upon your dependency upon the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God to obey. The book of Ruth proves this, fitting into the time of the book of Judges, and the book bears the heroine's name, Ruth, and in the Hebrew canon is found second in the third section of the writings of Canticle Ruth, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, and Esther, because the Hebrew arrangement is a little different. Now, the book is read at Pentecost because of the wheat harvest connection that we'll see here. And the book shows us God's grace to receive even a Moabitess who pledges her love to God in faith. The book provides for us a beautiful love story between Ruth, the Moabitess, her mother-in-law, Naomi, and Boaz, the kingsman redeemer, which is a beautiful parallel to the kingsman redeemer of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our kingsman Goel, the one who redeemed us. And so we want to look at the story of Ruth through a threefold picture. Let me give you three hooks to hang your thoughts on, and then we're going to walk through the book. First, Ruth the Bride, chapter 1, verse 1 to 18. Second, we'll look at Ruth the Servant, chapter 1, verse 19, to chapter 2, verse 23. Thirdly, Ruth the Redeemed, chapter 3, verse 1, to the end of chapter 4. We begin with Ruth the Bride, chapter 1, verse 1 through 18. Notice in chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, the occasion that brought about Ruth's marriage was a compromise. The time identified again, the time of judges, every man doing that was right in their own eyes. Verse 1. Now some believe the time is somewhere around chapter 6 of the book of Judges when the Midianites ruled for seven years and Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press. The severity was one of famine. Notice in verse 1, in the land of Israel. As you know, God sometimes brought famine as judgment. Uh, we see it in the time of Abraham in Genesis 12, 10, 43, 1. We see it in the days of Saul and David in 2 Samuel 21, uh, verse 1, for killing the Gibeonites. And then we see it in the days of Ahab through the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 17, 1. God deals with his people. Verse 3 through 5, 
The family was stricken by ongoing tragedy. They move away from God's protection. Don't miss this. Elimelech, the husband of Naomi in verse 3, dies suddenly, leaving her and her two sons. In verse 4, Malon, Chilion, marry pagan wives in disobedience to God's word and live in Moab for 10 years. Ophrah, meaning fawn or deer. Ruth means friend or beauty. The Moabites were descendants of Lot, as you know, through the incestuous relationship with his daughter in Genesis 19.36-37 after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Moab refused to give passage, bread, and food to Israel, and they hired Balaam to curse Israel in Numbers 22.1-8. Therefore God had prohibited a Moabite to come into the sanctuary until the 10th generation, Deuteronomy 23, 3-6. Guess what generation Ruth was? The 10th. God is so good. He's so in control of everything. Remember Nehemiah, recall the prohibition also, those who had married Ammonites and Moabites in Nehemiah 13, 1-3, and they couldn't even speak one language or the other. This was after the captivity. Notice the two sons died after 10 years also. The three women are left alone now. Now certainly tragedy can come to anybody, even believers, but the whole thing here is they've moved away out of the country of God, gone to the country of Moab. And it's very clear as we're going to see. Now, in verse 6 down to 13 of chapter 1, the occasion that allowed Ruth's release from marriage is denied by her. In verse 6 through 7, Naomi decided to return to Bethlehem with her two widow daughter-in-laws, hearing in Moab that God had visited the land of Judah with bread. So she hears God's blessing from Moab across Jordan. Naomi, in verse 8 through 10, released her two daughter-in-laws from any obligation to her so they could return to their own mother's house. In verse 8, Naomi expressed her appreciation of their love and their faithfulness to her sons and herself, desiring that the Lord would be kind to them as they had been with Naomi. So there was a close relationship. In 9, she expressed her love by desiring that both of the women would find rest as they remarried, and they weep together. Notice in verse 10, they declare their commitment to Naomi, being reluctant to leave, saying they would return with her to her people. Now they knew that they were foreigners, and they didn't know how hard it would be if they did go back, but they were willing. This is commendable for non-believers. Look at 11 through 14. Naomi reasoned with the two women. In 11, she asked them if she still had more sons in her womb that might be their husbands because they didn't want to leave. And in 12 and 13, she declared that she was too old to have a husband. And if she conceived even at that point, would they be willing to wait to marry the one that they'd be so old? The kid wouldn't want to marry her. Verse 13, at the end, she expressed her sorrow and her much grief for their sakes. Due to the fact that the hand, don't miss this, the hand of the Lord had gone out against her. She understood what had happened. They had taken their life in their own hands rather than trusting God. Their story is that they lived in the city called House of Bread, but did not trust God for bread as the others who remained in Bethlehem, praising God as their king through the famine, trusting him like Boaz and the remnant will see. 
But instead, they took their life into their own hands and they moved away. And the result was tragic. How often we think we can do better than God has done for us. As if we can do much, much better. And we add to our hurt. Forty years I've been a Christian. I've seen a lot of people. I've seen three to four generations overlapped. And I've seen decisions done by parents back in 1973 that affected the next three or four generations as they moved away from God. Notice 14 through 18. The loyalty of Ruth was far and beyond marriage obligations here. In 14, the widow Ophrah wept again, kissed her mother-in-law, and went home. The widow Ruth clung to Naomi. The word cling there means to glue together. It's the same word that is used for a husband and wife in Genesis 2, 24. In 15, Naomi told Ruth, her sister-in-law, had gone back to her people and her gods, and she should also return to hers. You see the compromise here of Naomi, even to this point, tolerating other gods, doing different things. You understand? And there are many Christians in the church like that. A little compromise, a little foxes that spoil the vine. There is a progressive revelation of the spiritual compromise that both Elimelech and Naomi had made, first by her acknowledgement that God's hand had gone out against her in verse 13, then by her allowing the unequally yoked marriage of her sons to these women of Moab who worship other gods. And we usually rationalize, say, well, but she's so nice, but he doesn't really object. He just kind of just goes along with it. What does that mean? Look at 16 through 18. The commitment of Ruth to Naomi is recorded for us. Ruth's steadfast love is declared. Entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following you. And wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people should be my people. Your God, my God. Wow. In 17, Ruth's selfless love is described. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. And then Ruth's oath was to Yahweh. Her decision to follow Yahweh rather than the gods of her own people was a personal decision. Yes, God may use someone who gets unequally yoked and God may save the non-believer, but we never teach that as practice or doctrine or to say that God predestined that. Don't make God part of your sin. God saves people because he has compassion on the sinner. So we have to be careful. Her accountability was to God who sees and hears all things. The Lord Yahweh do so to me and more also. Her escape clause. You want to hear it? Death. If anything but death parts you and me. In 18, Ruth, having made herself strong on her decision, was no longer opposed by Naomi. When there's no passion behind natural love, first towards God, then towards family and one another, then a society lives for itself, ruthless, treacherous. This book of Ruth is a contradiction of everything in the book of Judges. They're the exception. There's a trust in God, even from the pagan Moabites here. I have witnessed those who have walked with God through the most difficult times and not compromise, trusting God's word and the power of his Holy Spirit. 
While I've seen others also take matters into their own hands and add to their own afflictions and their families, and as I said, through 40 years, you can trace and track the destruction very, very wide. In fact, I just was talking to somebody at a funeral yesterday of a person who was a pastor and who ran off with somebody's wife and another uh, man's wife and destroyed his family, his kids, everything else. And here it is 40 years later, and the trail of destruction is just incredible. Incredible. It's a choice you make. It's a choice I make. I've also witnessed those who did not compromise in marriage, but they were faithful to wait upon God for God to direct and guide them in marriage to assure and to confirm that that person was the one. And then I've also seen others who have compromised it along with their parents. And that's one of the things that baffles me all the time when parents follow the children and their compromise and go along with it. Our ability to obey has nothing to do with the time or the culture that we live in. It has everything to do with our commitment to God and our obedience to his word and the power of the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, to reckon the old man dead. And yet God, in his mercy and his grace, at times will save unbelievers through unequally yoke. But we cannot say that that was God's will or that he predestined it. It's the choices we've made, and we reap and we sow to it. And sadly, it affects the next generation. More than often, the compromising Christian suffers through the years and walks away from God. Very seldom does the believer come out unscathed. In fact, 1 Samuel 15, 22 to 23 says, Has the Lord Yahweh as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord Yahweh? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as the iniquity of idolatry. Whoa, what a statement. Who's he speaking to? To the believer of the Old Testament. The context is Samuel and Saul. Ruth was the bride to the son of Naomi. A willful choice by the family who moved away from God. They paid a great price. But notice, secondly, you have Ruth, the servant. They're coming back to the land of God. Verse 19 to 22 Ruth was willing to not be the center of attention entering Bethlehem. In verse 19, the entire city was excited. Naomi was the focus. Is this Naomi? Ruth knew she was a foreigner. Ruth knew that, that uh, she was there to serve Naomi, and she was trusting the God of Israel. The response of Naomi was that they not call her Naomi pleasant, but Mara, bitter, for the almighty El Shaddai, had dealt bitterly with her once again. The widow Naomi stated that she had gone out full and returned empty since the Almighty had afflicted her. Verse 21. The proclamation stated that all was due to the hand of God's judgment by her own mouth. Both proclamations in verse 19 and 20 are acknowledgments that they had taken their lives into their own hands and had become self-willed. And they didn't choose to trust God or obey him. 
And again, we can rationalize things and say, but, but you know, this happened. And we, and we start making decisions by the circumstance or situation or worse yet, by our emotions rather than obedience to the word of God. The word afflicted means to break or to be broken. God will not force you. But when you're broken, then you've got a choice. Do you turn to God or do you continue trying to live life broken? You take your life in your own hands. It's like trying to cross the freeway with your eyes closed. The woman arrived at the beginning of barley season, the end of April, verse 22. They had returned from Moab, which means of his father, describing that incestuous relationship between Lot and his oldest daughter, which was displeasing to God. But now they had returned to Bethlehem, the house of God, returning to a right and pleasant and pleasing relationship to God. There must be a turnaround. In the midst of all this darkness, they're part of it. But they're coming back into that remnant of light, those who have trusted God. They've turned from that darkness, from that disobedience. In chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, Ruth was willing to be the provider for Naomi. Commendable. The man Boaz in verse 1 was a relative of Naomi's husband. He was related through Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech. He was a man of great wealth, it says. The name Boaz means the Lord is strength or quickness. And he was from Bethlehem, Euphrata. Notice verse 2, the woman Ruth asked permission of Naomi to go glean the heads of grain. The gleaning was after the provisions of the law that were left the, cor- left the corners of the field unharvested for those who were poor. Leviticus 19, 9 through 10, Deuteronomy 24, 19 were very, very clear. Notice she expressed hopefulness by the expression in whose sight I may find favor implying mercy. So these were the poor, the destitute. They weren't given a check and a piece of cheese. They were given an opportunity to have self-respect and go work for themselves and reap their food from the corners left for them. It's always best for you to work for yourself on whatever way you can than to trust someone else. Everybody needs help once in a while, but I'm talking about in a way of lifestyle. God did not believe in that. God said, I'll take care of the poor. Let them go reap the corners of your field. Be benevolent. Let them work for it. It'll be theirs. Notice verse 3. The woman Ruth went, and she happened to come to the fields of Boaz. Nothing happens by chance when one knows the Lord and has committed himself to the Lord. It happened? Who's in control here? God. Book of Judges. There's been repentance. There's a coming back broken. Nothing is overlooked by God when done to one of God's people. Ruth had become a very honorable person in her protectiveness over Naomi. Ruth had committed herself to Yahweh rather than to the gods of her people of Moab. The Psalms tell us that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in his ways. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. Notice now in verse 4 to 13 of chapter 2, Ruth was willing to humble herself. 
In 4 and 6, the occasion was when Boaz came from Bethlehem to his field and he took notice of Ruth. The employer and employee relationship, notice, is godly in verse 4. Despite of being the time of judges, when every man's doing what's right in their own eyes, they're saying, hey, the Lord be with you, and the Lord bless you. In the midst of the book of Judges, what's the difference, the choice you make, whether you are a faithful Christian or a compromising Christian, whether you're a light or, or a flickering little spark? The inquiry was his, to his servant in verse 5, who was in charge of the reapers. Whose young woman is this? In verse 6, the servant said, Ruth had come back with Naomi from Moab. Moab's their enemy. The woman Ruth, in verse 7, had pleaded with the servant for permission to glean. She didn't feel entitled. She didn't think they owed her anything. She knows she's trusting God. In verse 7, she revealed her humility by her very words. Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. The very task was a mark of poverty and destitute, as I've said. The fact that she was the enemy of Israel magnified her humility to humble herself. Notice in 7 still, she revealed her earnestness to work by her actions. So she came till now, though she rested a little in the house, a hard worker. The woman Ruth was not publicizing what she had done for Naomi, but it was widely known. I like that. In verse 8, Boaz invited her to remain in his field for safety by the women in view of her care for Naomi, affirming her acceptance. In verse 9, Boaz assured her of her protection from the young men and to quench her thirst as needed by the drawing of water by the young men. And in 10, she expressed her unworthiness by falling to her face and bowing down to the ground, declaring her gratitude. Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? When word and deed become one, that becomes truth, John says. Look at 11 through 13. Boaz told her all he had heard about her benevolence. And 11, her cleaving to Naomi abandoning her own family and native land, willingness to come to a people she did not know before. It's not easy picking up and leaving everything you've ever known. She was reaping to the kindness she has sown, a model of faithful love putting others first. She was courageous knowing she could have been treated as an outcast, being a motorbitist. Commendable. Now look at 12. Uh, her recompense was from God. God uses people, but, but it's God. And the people of God know that it's God. They don't take glory for it. Verse 12, Boaz desired the Lord fully reward her work of love. This is in the midst of the book of Judges. It's godly man. Man is walking with God. Boaz told her she had actually come for refuge under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. While the majority of the people in the book of Judges have not. Her humbleness was consistent, expressed by her gratitude and recognition of his favor, though she was a foreigner in verse 13. Humility is, is so valuable. 
And humility doesn't call attention to itself. And humility makes everything else even more valuable. Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating with Ruth the simple truth of Proverbs 3.34, the Lord shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And we've had to break only partway through this study. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up your own personal copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply, The Godly in an Ungodly Society. It's available on CD for just $4. And that title, once again, is The Godly in an Ungodly Society. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 